Welcome to another episode of uh, Coaching for Profit. I'm Brandon Moore, your host, and today we have uh, uh, one of my friends, Will Welch. He's the co-founder of Caltech. Uh, he and Brent McCaslin in 1995 started a company. I can't remember the name of that company, but it was not Caltech. And then you acquired Caltech in 98. Uh, and since then, you've grown to well over 100 employees, servicing clients all over the U.S. Your role as a CEO, which I don't know, did y'all do uh, rock, paper, scissors for that? Or is that <laughs> just something that... Uh, there there were a lot of discussions about that, <laughs> but it was primarily because my focus was sales and people. And okay. his focus was process and numbers. So. That made perfect sense. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, now, in the sentence one of your in your bio, it says Caltech's bigger purpose allows my family to make an even greater impact. I love that. Uh, so tell me first about your family. Tell me about you and your family. All right. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my wife, Brindy, we've been married for now 20 years. It's crazy wow. to imagine that. But um, yeah, and so I've got uh, three kiddos. We've got Megan, who is 29. We've got Candace, who is 19 here in college at Angelo State, and then Zach, who is 14, and he is in high school at Wall. Tell you a little bit more about Megan. She's 29, and she has uh, uh, married a, a young man named Jaron, and they have adopted four kiddos. Wow, that's uh, awesome. Two sets of siblings, and so it's a awesome. I call them the crazy four, and uh, they're right. fun and, and full of love and need a lot of love, and it's been a great transformation for our family for sure. That is awesome. We have a uh Adoption in our family, not not in our immediate family, but my brother adopted and um, my dad, after all of the kids moved out, I guess they f figured they wanted to have more kids. And so they adopted a couple more, too. So, wow. What got you into the industry, IT industry to begin with? Um, it's a it, at, I remember in the 2000s, it was a there's a, a crash. And before that, 90, you know, 95, 98. Gosh, the early '90s, all the way through, tech was the, everybody was wanting to do tech, and so was that. You just jumped jumped on the board there, or you just uh, it was an opportunity that you saw. I would love to tell you that I was insightful like that, but uh, coming through college, uh, my partner Brent and I had a lot of classes together, and he was uh, the smart guy, and I was always asking him for help in our computer classes specifically. So. Ultimately, he asked me if I wanted to be uh, open a computer company. I couldn't imagine doing so. Told him he was crazy, <laughs> but uh, he asked me what I had better to do, and no one was knocking down my door right. to, to uh, <laughs> give me a job. And so we started a little computer company. You mentioned it earlier, called Outback Computer. Okay. And uh, so it's been a, a wild ride ever since. Definitely more than what we ever envisioned or expected, but we love it. That's awesome. Sounds like he's pretty persuasive. Maybe he should have been in sales. <laughs> he's, he's just smart. <laughs> well, again, going back to the bio, Caltech's bigger purpose. Can you talk about that? What is Caltech's bigger purpose? Sure. So, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, Brent and I were discussing, you know, we wanted Caltech to be something more. Not it's, It had already exceeded, like I mentioned, already exceeded anything we ever expected. And we wanted it to, to be, give a, a greater impact, social impact, if you will. Uh, that's kind of a common term now, but um, right. at the time we just wanted it to have a, and that's what we called it. We wanted Caltech people, employees to feel like they had a bigger purpose than just working on computers or fixing computers. And so we asked for volunteers who wanted to kind of be on a team to name this bigger purpose initiative and to come up with a plan and 
uh, all of that. So our, the team, they, they were real original, and they named it The Bigger Purpose. <laughs> and uh, so from there, they wanted to, uh, they um, polled the entire company and asked, basically, what are your passions? What do you want Caltech to really focus on and make the greatest impact? In. And uh, so it was families and children in the communities that we serve. That was kind of the, the baseline of what that team wanted us to focus on. So we were able to adjust some of the donations that we were making. We were making random donations, but not, nothing with any structure to it. And uh, that team votes and uh, get, decides who's going to get those dollars to different nonprofits around and, and even colleges, Angelo State uh, benefits from a lot of that. And so it's been a, a neat deal to watch happen, and our teams have competitions among the different offices, and and uh, we get together and, and celebrate those different things, uh, all kinds of different deals, food pantry volunteering, um, again, lots of things related to kids. Um, Meals for the Elderly here in San Angelo, we feel like those uh, it's a great thing to support. Yeah, I'm going to have to steal that. Now, you, you say that there's a team, there's a committee or mm-hmm. something that, that- – how do you get on that team? How do you come off that team? Is it on board, off board? Currently, currently it is, the, it is just um, anybody who's really interested in it asks if anybody's ready to get off. There's not a standard uh, procedure to, to get on and off of there. But um, Okay. That's awesome. You know, our, our company has done a lot of random donations as well. And of course, at the, you know, at our level, it's always been, you know, what do I want sure. uh, as the owner? But mm-hmm. Now that we're growing, we're, you know, expanding into other locations. And, of course, we're now a virtual CPA firm. We've kind of got rid of the location. I just did air quotes for the podcasters. Uh, <laughs> um, I did, you know, those uh, locations are now really just places for our current clients to, to drop off and pick up. But any new clients onboarded, it's, it's going to be totally virtual. All meetings are going to be virtual. Awesome. Um, and it's been really a, a great transition for our team, but I would really like them to rally around something. I love that bigger purpose idea. I'm going to totally steal that. I just, you know, don't arrest me, but I am <laughs> totally going to steal it. Now, now it's been, it's been really empowering for our team and, uh, you know, those who are passionate about something, we love the opportunity to come alongside them yes. and support it in w- whatever way they, they will ask for volunteers if they need manpower They'll ask for dollars if they need dollars, and our team comes through. It's pretty cool to see. That is awesome. Now, I know you you and I, uh, you, you mentioned what some things that you might want to talk about in email, and uh, it seems like you and I have a, a very similar uh, uh, focus. And, and uh, I wanted to ask you about how important, and this is what I w- want to spend most of the podcast on, is how important is vision to your company's growth and the growth of your employees. All right. So that that could go a lot of different directions. Um, But at Caltech, we have our mission, vision, and values. And um, I would say it is the number one most important thing that we did is to capture our culture, get it documented, get it on paper, so that we could enhance that culture every time we hired someone new as opposed to diluting it, which is what we were finding ourselves doing. Now, a big part of that is the are the values, um, but it, but again, it's all part of the mission, vision, and values. They all work together. Um, huge. 
And what did you do to uh, determine what your vision was and what, what the values were? Was there uh, a meeting that you had? Did you have a consultant come in? We did. Tell me about that process. Yeah, we did. So we had a customer at the time. So this was in 2008. And we had a customer at that time who had gone through a lot of growth and had seen, you know, had been down this road, the school of hard knocks, if yeah. you will, that we were <laughs> in the middle of. And uh, they were gracious enough to introduce us to a great company in San Antonio. I'm not sure if I can mention specific companies, sure. but Holt Developmental Services, there's a guy there named Guy Klumpner. He's unbelievable. And so he facilitated this for us. And really what he did was he just kind of gave us a framework for yeah. how to do it. He brought us in. We took our top 10 people. We were 35 employees at the time. I was going to ask you how many employees at that time versus net where you are now. Yeah. So, and now we're up to 150 last wow. this, this month, uh, which has been really phenomenal growth. It, it is. So it's go back phenomenal. to that. The, he brought okay. in, you had 35 employees and yeah, he, so he took the top 10, top told five. us to take our top 10. And we went to, uh, that, that, so Holt, Holt Developmental Services is part of Holt Caterpillar which is owned by the same company that owns Spurs Sports Entertainment. Um, and all of those companies are values-based leadership companies. Yeah. And when you go in and visit with their people at every level, it didn't matter if it was entry-level employees all the way up to the CEO, they were all speaking the same language. We were extremely attracted to that. We thought, man, that's what we want. We want everybody to have a common ground to, to go back to. And so they talked about accountability and how easy it is to hold each other accountable and to hold themselves accountable once you had all of this documented. So going back to when we were 35 employees, we loved what we had. Our customers loved what we had. And every time we were hiring someone new, we felt like we were losing some of that. It was really painful for us. And so going through this process, um, Guy asked, uh, he, well, so first off, Brent and I did not want this to be a bunch of words that Will and Brent put on paper right. that everybody had to live up to. That wasn't the point of it. We had a culture. It had already started, and with or without us, it was it was living. It, right. it was an organism on its own. You, every business has culture. Yes. Is it the culture you want, or is it the culture that's developing on its own? Right, and we were thankful because we loved it, and everybody, we had a blast doing it. And selfishly, uh, Brent and I said, you know, we want this to be a great place to work. We don't want this to be... Um, you know, just in a, a job for us or anyone else. We want it to be a fun place to come to work. So we we went to this meeting and Brent and I sat quietly in the corner and didn't say anything. So we added one thing at the very end. Um, but Guy just asked questions and wrote down, wrote them down. And uh, at the end, we had a pretty nice uh, mission, vision, and values. And a pr it really captured what it is that we do and why we think we're different and maybe our company's a little better than most companies out there. Uh, but it, it was funny. When we came back, there was only one change that was made. Um, it was to our mission statement. We came back with building lasting relationships. We said, that's what we do differently and better than any other company. That's what the top 10 said. And we mm -hmm. agreed. And, and everyone loved it, but they wanted to add and delivering value with exceptional technology services. And I'm glad they did because it's become more important every year since. We have to deliver greater and greater value, and we have to deliver exceptional technology services. So it's yeah. really neat to see how that process went. But everyone was able to participate, not just the top 10, and everyone loved it. And then at, from there on, there were a few people that spun out, 
Um, you know, integrity is one of those values. It's really right. huge for us. Uh, but low integrity people, they don't like being around high integrity people. That's right. And so they spin themselves out. It's been, it's been beautiful to watch how it goes. So in your values discussion, you, you know, I've, I've talked to or seen a lot of companies that have, you know, one word values. I'm more of the phrase mm-hmm. values. I, I like the one word if there's a phrase behind it. Sure. Like when we have our, one of our values is commitment mm-hmm. and the phrase that is committed to each other, committed to the firm and committed to our, our uh, clients. Great. And so that kind of defines the word uh-huh. for our company, what it means to us. Yes, sir. Is that how you guys same, have yours? Same way we did ours. Yes, sir. And, uh, and again, the way that he did it, it was aspirational. Values-based leadership is a journey. It is not a destination. And right. once we got that concept, it made it a lot easier to really focus on being a values-based leadership company all the way through and through. Um, it, you know, initially we thought, well, we'll aspire to these values and we'll arrive. It'll be great. But it really wasn't a destination. Right. I wrote in one of my blogs that, you know, your values can help uh, define how you uh, hire somebody in the hiring process. And uh, during the hiring process, your values can help weed out some of those, you know, candidates from the job and make it a, an easier process. No doubt. Is that what you find in, in your in your process? No doubt. And you led me back to your original question was how important is vision? And uh, I mentioned that Brent and I added one more thing, and that was being the employer of choice. So that's the only thing we added to the whole deal. We knew if we wanted this company to get better and to have great people and be a great place to work, we needed to be known as the employer of choice. And so everything we do, every decision we make has that to measure it by. And so to, as to your point about hiring people and making it a little bit easier, uh, we want great people and we want them to want a great place to work. And if they're that type of person, you know, they're not just looking for a job or the next hop, right. they, they fit in within our culture. That's awesome. Now in your, in, in your vision and mission and values, those are the, those are the, you know, vision is where you want to go. Vision, your mission is is kind of your purpose there. Your values is who you are. Uh, how does that you know, unfold in your strategic planning process? Well, so our strategic planning process may not be as uh, as complex as many. Our strategic plan, we, we do. Simple is better. Uh, it's always better. Go it, ahead. <laughs> it typically works out better uh, for us at least. But so our strategic planning process is every year we get together and it typically starts happening about November. We get all of our uh, director levels and above together and we review the prior year's strategy and how we did uh, towards accomplishing that. We do it on a gap um, Gap analysis analysis. format. And so we look at our current state and then we figure out what our future state is over the next couple of months there. And so at the rest of the year, we focus on executing on that. And that's, big part of my job is to remind people, you know, don't get distracted with the new shiny idea or the new direction that you want to go for next year. Let's execute on what it was that we said we were going to do for 2021 in this case. Right. Um, Now, do we, you know, Brent and I and James and Mike A, those guys are our CF, well, Brent's our CFO, Mike is our COO, 
and James is our CTO. And so we do get together and make some longer term uh, strategic viewpoints, I guess, for lack of a better word. We look at the org chart and think about, you know, how many people is this thing going to require in five years? How many people in 10 years? What, what are our directions there? And so that allows the rest of our team when we do get together for annual strategy to have at least a guideline of where we're probably headed. So they can start making decisions about their team structure, uh, what might need to happen as far as new positions, new layers of management or whatever there may be. In that strategic planning process, um, you know, like I said, I I prefer simple. Simple is always better than complex. A simple plan is going to the likelihood of a simple plan being executed is better <laughs> no doubt. than, you know, these, you know, uh, consultants that come in with a strategic plan that's a hundred pages long and a binder that sits on the shelf and nobody looks at it again. Yes, sir. You just pay $10,000 for that. And it's a, you know, a desk weight or whatever you call that. So what we try to do is have a, uh, what we call a one page plan where, where are we now? Where do we want to be? And how are we going to get there? No doubt. And, you know, sometimes when you're looking at the now, um, I always, I, I love Jim Collins' books, um, Good to Great, no Built to Last, book. Great by Choice, all of them. Even the one about baseball. A lot of people don't know that he wrote a book about baseball, I but know. I love it too because uh, I'm a baseball fan. I don't know if you can tell. Yes. The podcasters, they got baseball pictures in my conference room that we're in right now. But going back to where I was saying is, when you're looking at where you are now, he talks about confronting the brutal facts of reality, but not giving up the hope and the, the, the targets in the future. So, you know, in 2008, what were some brutal facts that you had to recognize and understand? Well, the, the biggest one was that big customer that I had mentioned they had were really growing fast and at that point they had become about 50 percent of our total business book of business and so but they were growing so fast that they would have ultimately become 90 percent of that book of business and so we recognized then thankfully that we needed to figure out how to at minimum pace them if not grow faster than they were growing because because we wanted them to be less than 25 percent that was our goal yeah. So in some ways, we would find um, opportunities for them to do some things internally so that that would reduce how much they were dependent on us and more importantly, how much we were dependent on them. Right. Um, but ultimately, we did that. We accomplished that. And because when they did, they, they sold out um, years later and it was not near as painful. You know, that could have been an end, oh, of, sure. end yes. of business deal yeah. for a lot of people. That's that's always you know when a, when a client uh, goes through a merger or acquisition or something like that, or even an inheritance to a kid, and and you know the, you don't always get that business, and that's sometimes right. if that business uh, is more than ten twenty percent, that hurts. Yes, that's sir. somebody's job. That's that's a couple of people's jobs, and yes, sir, it uh, doesn't always uh, get replaced that quickly. But um, and since you are employee focused and wanting to be the employer. That's a bit, that's a concern for your employees, really. Oh yes. I mean that's that's something that you're looking at. You know these are people's lives, and I'm I'm responsible. No doubt. When we when we figured that out, that uh that that took a little while. We didn't it, we didn't realize that early on. We were we were just a job for us and them really. Um, but when we figured out that you know there's a lot of families that are really dependent on the decisions that we make, we started taking it a lot more serious for sure. That's important. That's great. 
and you may have alluded to, to it already, what went into the decision to venture out of your home market? You're based in San Angelo, Texas, and there are not very many statewide companies or nationwide companies based out of San Angelo, Texas. Right. I mean, it's it's a small market. We have no interstate running through us yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it's it used to have the record and it st- still may have the record for the largest uh, city in the nation without an interstate running through right. it. Uh, but it is a people pump also. You've got, you've got the college, you've got uh, the Air Force Base, and then one of the two or three bigger employers that bring people in, send people out. Ethicon is one of those. Mm-hmm. And so do you find it difficult? And I'll, I'll ask that question now and then go back to the expansion question. Do you find it difficult to retain employees uh, with such a, a and a location that's kind of a, you know, you're here because you want to be, but you may be moved out later. So we we do not, but we used to find it more difficult because a lot of people that come to San Angelo for college or whatever reason, like you mentioned, they want to be in a bigger city. And, and some move away and then most come back. Uh, people, San Angelo is a place that uh, is really hard to leave. It's got great people. I've left three times. Okay. And come back three times. Well, that's a, that's a good example. Um, and that, that seems to be a common trend. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, for us, it was all about people. We had one of our guys who had been with us for a long time. He loved Caltech, loved what we were doing, and didn't want to lose his job, but his wife wanted to move to Dallas. And so we got serious about it. I spent about six months every week, not, not all week, but a few days a week, in Dallas with him. We stayed in hotels. I mean, the worst hotels you could stay in. Right. Um, but we were trying Cost to. Cost Yes, <laughs> for sure. And we, but we went up there and we started finding customers for him to service so that, um, we could, so that we could grow that and make that a reality for him. Um, and that's how every one of our locations has happened, actually. It's not necessarily been from San Angelo, but it's been an employee reason that we end up with a, an office there. So we've got now Dallas, Tyler, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, and um, Kansas City. So the only one that was not that way was Houston, but we felt we needed a presence there because we had a lot of customers starting to sure. arrive there. And one of our guys moved from Tyler to there. So he did that for us. But that's the only one um, that where we said, you know, hey, we need somebody in this area. That's excellent. I mean, it it just seems like that your growth and your expansion uh, happened organically. And I love the, the fact that it was an employee focus. And that the I, I remember I, I was at I met you at the gym one day and we talked about the Kansas City move. Mm-hmm. And that you told me, well, we just had this employee who was moving there. So we just we started a business there. And so I I just love that about your company. I love that about, you know, every employee that I talk to in your company just loves, uh, loves Caltech, loves working for you guys and and loves their job. So do you have any plans of expansion? You know, you, you decided to move into Houston. Do you have plans of expanding outside into any other States? Is that something that's going to be brought up at the next strategic planning mode or it was actually brought up it's been brought up every year for about the last five and and we have 
chosen to remain um, in our same geography up until this year. This year, 2021, we hired a salesperson in Georgia. And we'll see how that goes. It's, you know, it's early on. We, uh, but that, our primary focus is community banks, as you know. Right. And the Southeast has a lot of community banks. There is one large competitor there, but thankfully they don't do that great of a job. Um, <laughs> and then the other area that we were looking at was the Great Lakes area um, because they align with our viewpoints pretty well. Um, typically have the same type of cultures in those banks that we have. And so that's the other area that we would like to ultimately have people in. Um, and I think we will. But we've started doing business now. You kind of alluded to it as well for you guys is is a lot of our business is able to be accomplished remotely now. Right. We have a customer in Alaska. We have customers in North Carolina, North Dakota. That would not have been possible years ago. Right. And what did you what did you learn in, in 2020 about virtual uh, servicing your clients and virtual and remote staff and, and all that. What did you learn? Well, for us, it wasn't a huge shock because our guys are very technical and they're able to, you know, they, they were able to be mobile and working for their customers while they were out before. So that for us, it wasn't a huge shift. Right. But the big shift that we felt was our customers you know, if they had 50 employees and maybe two or three branches, very rapidly they now have 50 branches and we've right. got to support all of those. Um, so that was a, a definite challenge on our amount of service that they needed uh, in a sh very short period of time. If you remember in that March, um, it was crazy. Everybody yeah. was working from home. You know, they were still considered, especially bankers, they were using the term essential workers. They were still considered essential workers, and so they all needed to be working, uh, but they needed to be doing so from home. So, yeah, we went from having 500 branches to support to 10,000. Yeah, I bet your phone calls went up, like exploded during yeah. that month. Uh, you know, we our firm, before then, we, we, had, we would allow anybody to work from home uh, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So... If you wanted to spend one or two days from home, you could. A lot of people liked coming to the office, and so they didn't take advantage of that. But now our, you know, our employees, ninety percent work from home. The admin staff work in the locations that we have currently. Um, although we've created Fridays or work from home Fridays, and okay. so all employees work from home on Fridays. Anyway. <laughs> You know, 2020 was a learning year, and and for us, you know, we we were moving towards that virtual CPA firm all along. February, before any news of pandemic really got out, I had told uh, my staff, I said, "Listen, I'm I I just went to an appointment in Cedar Park. I, I drove there. I had a hotel uh, booked." I was on the way there, and I got a message that the appointment that I was going there for was canceled. I nice. said, I'm not doing that again. I said, if, if I'm planning on being there, you can load up appointments on that day. But I'm I'm taking all appointments through Zoom if if they're in these other cities, um, and, and I'm not planning to be there. And I got a lot of pushback. I mean, uh, people were like, they don't want to do Zoom. It's like, well, don't offer them any other thing. Tell them the appointments, they show up. I'm going to be there on the TV. 
you know, do whatever, do whatever we have to do to, in order to make that transition. And, and the reason for that, one of our values is family. And I wasn't, I wasn't abiding by that, that value when I was leaving my family to go to these appointments and then for no reason. But then <laughs> March happened and I didn't get any pushback anymore. <laughs> no, they, we, we all learned to give each other grace at that yeah. point. Um, and if so, you have kids in the background, that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> Dogs, kids, whatever. And so, yeah, the the acceleration of our plan is what happened in 2020. Gotcha. It just kind of accelerated things. People got used to it. I think most business owners now enjoy the Zoom rather than the in-person. I don't know if salespeople do, but the business owner who doesn't like the, you know, I have to leave my office, take 15 minutes to drive. Mm-hmm. And we live in, you know, we live in Argyle now and, and our office was in South Lake. And it takes 15, 20 minutes to get anywhere. And so driving there, driving back, you don't have that anymore. Right. You know, once you finish the meeting, it's done. And so you can schedule it on your meeting, and that's the only thing you have to schedule. You don't have to schedule the drive time. Yep. Um, do you find that was there any any benefits or any acceleration of benefits during 2020 that uh, were, you know, a benefit of a terrible situation? For us, it was surprisingly, you mentioned salespeople. My sales guys had the most success they've ever had in 2020. And it wasn't due to um, additional need, you know, that we talked about earlier. Yeah. It was due to them being present and being available and and getting on the phone. Um, You know, we used to think we had to be in person for every meeting. We had to be in person for every event. And we, they love going to events. They love going to a, a, per, a one-to-one meeting. And there's times that it's definitely a yeah. benefit. But for them, they, lo- they really learned to love their time with their family that they had not been um, honoring, as you mentioned. Right. So our mission, vision, and values, we make sure that we explain to everyone that that's for all stakeholders. It's, and that includes family. That's, it's not just for you know, customers or just for Caltech. It is for all stakeholders. So that's a, a great point you bring up there. That's awesome. I know, that, you know, I think a lot of businesses found, uh, you know, a lot of businesses were hurt and especially the hospitality, restaurants, bars. Uh, we had a few that, you know, uh, that had to use a lot of the government uh, benefits that were there and, and we're thankful for those and we're able to help them secure those uh, loans and, and grants. But the uh, last year and a half, we've also found a lot of things that are changing that are very beneficial to our firm. And so uh, I, th- I think that's when, you know, there's always good things that happen. Uh, we used to say as broker dealers that, you know, there's always winners even in the downturn. Yeah. And so um, you just have to, you just have to find them. You have to look for the opportunities. How do you find how do you find opportunities? How do you find uh, new revenue sources, new client needs? What happens in your process or in your group to find those opportunities? So we've been talking about this a lot lately. A lot of your bigger companies, they identify those things through, uh, you know, their marketing team is, is who goes out and decides what new gap in the marketplace they need to fill. Um, we don't have a big marketing team and we don't have that skill set 
with our marketing team. Our where we do it, or how we do it is um, either one through our employees that identify a gap in the marketplace or a need, and they bring that to us. And a lot of that happens during that strategy time of year that we talked about. But the the other way, and I think this is probably the bigger way now, is we developed a customer advisory board, and so we have six customers that. They send it typically their CEO, but this year we're splitting them up to where it'll be um, their CEOs in is one customer advisory board, and then technical people will be the other customer advisory board. It's difficult for those two groups to really right. do great together. Right. Uh, but we want the we want the value. Very different perspectives on both of those. There are, and we want the value from both, and we want it because we want to improve the products that we currently offer. And we want to identify the new opportunities that you asked about, um, and they're the best place to get them from because they can tell you not only what gap they're feeling, but what reports they need that would help you to you know deliver it better or make that uh, you know the best solution that they could get. Awesome, you know I I I always say or I've said very often is that there's no such thing as a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, they come so often. You just have to be looking for them. Are there any new opportunities that uh, that you might have pinpointed recently um, that you want to disclose? I mean, you may be preparing for a launch and something. That I don't want to get, let the cat out of the bag or anything. No. Um, so for the last year and a half, we've are, we've been working on um, what's called One Defense, and that is our cybersecurity offering. And it is, you know, covers every angle that these attackers that are out there these days um, would come at you with and gives you great reporting. Um, so this year we're focused on executing on the delivery of that. Okay. And that includes building marketing materials, building a sales process, building sales playbooks. And then ultimately, how do we deliver a great product and great reporting that can give our customers and their boards and their auditors and examiners the peace of mind that they need to know that we're doing a great job for them. So can I say that 100% they will be locked down and, and never be hacked? Of course not. We've seen this year, we've seen the Department of Defense be hacked. Right. Um, so And FireEye, the largest security firm in the nation, was hacked. So no, we can't say that. But we believe in a, you know, a framework that is already out there, NIST framework, and we're making sure that we are covering every one of the top 20 in the NIST framework. So, Excellent. That's, I mean, continuous improvement and, and continuously uh, trying to identify ways to, to serve clients and, and, and meet their needs and give value. That's, I, I love that about your company. You know, we've talked a lot about your values and the how you deal with your employees and work with your employees. Um, I have a question here, and we may have already mentioned it, but if it's something different, you know, uh, what is what do you believe your competitive advantage is? Well, it's obviously our people, but it, we, it's not anything different than that mission, vision, and values we mentioned earlier. I will mention a book that I think, you know, you said you love books. And, I do. and there's one book that I wish we would have learned about it 10 years earlier, right? There's no telling where we would be now. Um, it's by Patrick Lencioni. It's the five dysfunctions of a team. And we kind of, we make, we give that to every new hire and make sure that they go through it. 
but then we we kind of refashioned our slides around that and it's called the five functions of a team because right. we don't want to focus on the dysfunctions but the way he tells the story is awesome it's, it's a great a, book it's a it's a novel based like yep. it, it reads like a novel but then the explanation is is really fantastic yeah he tells a great story and and then if you if you're an audiobook you know, you guys are listening to a podcast. You're probably audiobook types. Right. Um, the audiobook is great to listen to as well. So, it five really dysfunctions is. of a team. But there, that, if you can base everything on the foundation that we all trust that we're after the same results, right. it's pretty easy to give people grace if they make a decision that you may not have you know thought was the best decision or you wonder why they came up with it you trust that that's their job they're after the same results as you and it changes the dynamic of of all of those interactions and what do you uh what do you do to make sure or to you said that you you make sure that they go through it how do you do that is there like a a five-week discussion that you're doing your onboarding process what's your onboarding process for a new employee so i think that that that's something i left out earlier that i I should have kind of mentioned is we talked about our strategic planning process and and so i'll get to coaching in a minute but in our strategic planning process we have we talked about the gap your current state your future state and the initiatives that you're going to take to get there right we talked about that well, we do that at the company-wide level. Then um, at the, the next level, every department does the same exact thing. They have a current state, a future state, and all the initiatives they're going to accomplish to get there. Well, we build our coaching forms. So let's say that you're a entry-level engineer, right? Tier one engineer. You've got uh, on your coaching form at the top level, you're going to have Caltech's overall gap. You're going to have your department overall gap. And then you're going to have a personal overall gap. And so this way you can map what I'm, what do I do and how does it relate to the overall success of the company? I think that's where most companies miss it is that the employee doesn't really understand why they're doing all the things that they're doing or why those things are important. It's directly mapped all the way to the individual level. And, inclu- and then they have initiatives. Some of those initiatives could be personal. Might be that they want to read the Bible. Might be that they want to lift bench press 300 pounds. It doesn't matter. Right. But every month, our um, managers meet with every employee and go over their coaching form. So they go over, they c- celebrate successes. Those are awesome because other, oftentimes the manager would never know about those successes and right. they are able to relay some of those to us so we can celebrate those and enjoy that as well. Um, and then I, there's action items and of course KPIs. So your key performance indicators down at the bottom, but the action items are what uh, keep people moving. And so those action items during the early parts of employment, we were talking about this book would be read chapters one through three, read chapters five through eight, whatever they're on. Um, but they're, Tell, you know, having a discussion with their manager about what the, the chapters that they've currently read, what those are like, what the, how they're feeling about the book, what they think about it, et cetera. So that is a great process that, that we have. But those action items, they may be for a manager to do uh, something that can benefit the employee or they may be for the employee to accomplish some task, take a test to get a certification or in the manager's case, maybe find me the best study materials so I can learn how to um, get this certification that I need to move forward in my career. That's excellent. I mean, the, uh, 
previous year or two, I, I was really disappointed with our current oversight of employees. And I'm talking about disappointed in me. And, uh, you know, I do, I do try to meet with the, the employees on a regular basis, especially, you know, when we were, I was driving from city to city and that's why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every week I was at one location, you know, and, um, trying to rotate through them. Of course, now that we're on zoom instead of driving, I really wanted to find a way to really connect with the employees better. And I found that instead of just having the annual review or quarterly, I'm just going to go month. And we do that exact. Well, I, I, I use that same now where how method with those monthly uh, meetings. Now I've found that I, I can't do them all. And so, because we have too many employees now, but sure. with my managers, I definitely will, will meet with them and, and I instruct them to meet with their staff or their team members on a monthly basis for that kind of coaching. But since it's new, I haven't really gotten any, any kind of formatted plan for them to go through uh, so they don't have to uh, figure things out on their own. That's what I try to try to have systems and processes in place so that it can be replicated. That's one of the things that uh, a business owner, you know, who's working on the business instead of in the business does is, is create those systems and processes. And uh, it sounds like you guys are, are, are doing a great job of, of really tying those employees' goals and dreams to Caltech's goals and dreams. Well, I'd be glad to share that with you or anybody who wants it. So that that's no problem as far as that coaching form goes. It really does help our teams all behave the same way, know what to expect when they graduate from one tier to the next or they or management a manager promotes to another management position and they get a new manager everyone has some common ground they've already right. been coached this way they understand what to expect they don't feel like why is this guy wanting to meet with me i must have done something wrong you right. know initially that's the way they felt because they nobody had ever met with them right um so that was a a, a hurdle we had to overcome but now it's just commonplace right that's um, great. I'd be glad to share that. I was going to say there is another book called Traction. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, you um, said you mentioned it in your email and I've I've downloaded it to listen to, so it's on my list. I've okay. got like four other books in it front. It just of it. incorporates <laughs> all of the things that we've talked about today. Yeah. It's the closest to incorporating all of those in one book that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um there's a few things that we do a little bit differently than it suggests, but just because we were already doing it and we felt like it would be too it disruptive yeah. to to change. Great. What uh what challenges are you facing right now? What's what's the biggest challenge? Um, the biggest challenge right now is we are trying to grow our sales team. I mentioned we hired a young lady in Georgia and we're, you know, we're in the early stages of that. So we're excited and we're hopeful that she's going to do great, but we want to grow our sales team and, and not, we don't want to outpace what we're capable of handling. So that's not, not the point, but we do need to grow the team so that they can feed off of one another. All you know, 60, 70% of our new business still comes from referrals. And that's great. We love that. We don't want that to change. That's not yeah. what we're looking for. But we would like to have more of those new customers so we can get more referrals. Because those, right. are, those are the best. Awesome. If you could give your uh, 25-year-old you advice about business, what, what would the one sentence, two sentences be? That's worth a little pondering. That's right. Take your time. <laughs> We can edit out the time it takes. <laughs>
five minutes later. For me, it's going to be different for everyone, I'm sure. But for me, if, if especially if anybody's listening to this that encountered 25-year-old me, um, I would have been well served to have learned about servant-based leadership earlier. And, you know, servant leadership it was a, something that I did not learn about until later on. I also did not find Jesus until later on. And those two things have transformed me and my approach to leading people, managing people, loving on people. And I, it would have, those two things would be by far the greatest things I could have done. Yeah. I think, I think my 25 year old self could hear those words as well. <laughs> the, uh, valuing other people instead of just using other people for sure. what I wanted, but actually valuing them and giving and seeing if they could succeed and how they could succeed. So this is the uh, final few questions, and this is a speed round. So uh, most influ influential person in your life? Uh, my grandmother. Grandma? Yes. Uh, she took me on when I was about four and raised me, and best lady I've ever known. For awesome. Sure. Book you're reading right now? Um, it's called Inked. It's a book put out by Sales Gravy is the name of the company. And Jeb Blunt is the author. Uh, that book is the best sales book I've ever seen so far. And I'm, you know, I'm going through it actually for the second time. So, all uh, right. Uh, Mac or PC? PC, there is. No. Right. <laughs> iPhone or Android? Android. Oh, man. I thought you'd teeter on that one. <laughs> all right. Best 80s hairband? Uh, rat. That is the second time. <laughs> That's we've only done two of these interviews, and both of you guys said rat. That's one of the you know out, outer skirts hair bands. You know, yep. Metallica is mine, and of course Motley Crue is really a hair band, but uh, maybe glamour band. I don't know if you want to call that. There you go. All right. So um, also, and this is so that uh, for the listeners and for uh, awareness, uh, what charity do you support right now, and want other people to know about? The Joseph Thomas Foundation. Joseph Thomas Foundation. Do they have a website? Uh, they do. It's josephthomasfoundation.org. Um, and it's an unbelievable group. Uh, we Basically, we support the gap that Medicare doesn't cover for families with medically fragile children. Uh, so these medically fragile children, they have unbelievable amounts of doctor bills and trips and needs that we come alongside them and help with that. So look into the Joseph Thomas Foundation. It's awesome. Excellent. So if you're in, if you're encouraged or want to encourage and be that person that, su that supplies the gap between Medicare and insurance, then f support the Joseph Thomas Foundation. Yes, sir. Say the website one more time. JosephThomasFoundation.org. Well, uh, this is the end, Will. I really appreciate you. Uh, Will Welch with uh, Caltech. Uh, it's been insightful, been fun. Uh, I'd like to do it again sometime, maybe in a couple of years or, or sooner. I'm in. I, I really appreciate all of our listeners. And if, if you're listening to this podcast and, and you know, give us a like or a review, uh, we really appreciate it. Um, this has been Coaching for Profit, where we believe that profit equals your potential minus any barriers. Thank you.